0: But anyway, it's so nice to be again here with you. I still remember the last time because the Lord put some things in my heart when I was here. I kind of even know where I was when He did. Do you, do you know what I mean? You know, when the Lord uh, gives you something, it just kind of marks you. And so, um, I believe while we were here the last time, we prayed, we prayed for America. And I remember some of those things <clears throat> because it, um, it didn't come from me. It came from him. And uh, I've referred to it in my own heart. What he told me about this time when we're together, he said this. There's going to be a refueling and a kindling of what he's put in you regarding prayer. There's some people of prayer here. And then he also said that he's going to activate people who didn't think that they were the praying kind. <laughs> Maybe, you know, you're praying for the food kind, or, or maybe you turn your prayer requests into somebody else. But actually, uh, there's going to be an activating of, of, of people while we're here, and there is, he's going to do something, and it's going, to, um, it's going to change your walk in God. Because talking with God, not just hearing about him and even reading about him, but actually talking with him opens up whole different channels in your heart. And it opens up ways of knowing him that there's there is no other way of knowing him. You can observe him in other people, but when we talk to him, and we talk to him on a personal basis, and then we do business with him, and there is kingdom business. I like the songs that we were singing about his will being done on earth. There's some kingdom business that when we get to work with Father, there's a different way of knowing him. We get to see him in, a, in an amazing, amazing way. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with us individually, and I mean us. All of us say, God's going to do something in me. Amen. Me too. And, uh, but also what he's going to do in us corporately, because when we're together, there's, there's some ways that we can pray that he'll inspire us to pray. And, um, and things are going to move. Things are going to change. Praise God. And the way we're going to start out this morning is, is something that he put on my heart in Galatians, the sixth chapter in verse Nine. Paul was telling this whole church. He said, "You will reap if you what? If you don't faint, you will reap if you don't faint." Now, reaping, uh, as far as as a believer is concerned, reaping is going to mean victory in some area, whatever it is that you're believing God for or you're praying about. You got a promise about the reaping of that is going to bless you, it's going to advance the kingdom, it's going to cause Jesus to be glorified. And so if you were the devil, aren't you glad you're not? That if you, if you were the devil, you wouldn't want somebody to reap. Because if they reap, they're going to have a testimony. If they reap, they're going to know that God is good, he's faithful, he watches over his word to perform it. The devil will do everything he can do to keep people from reaping. He would like people to never know that God is good and he's a giver and he's faithful over his word. He doesn't want people to know the promises. He doesn't want people to know all the promises, maybe just a few promises, but not all the promises. He doesn't want people to know. But if you do come to know, are you glad you came to know? Are you glad for a church that will tell you the the truth and the promises of God? Well, if he can't keep you from knowing that, his next line of defense then is to wear you down. And even if you do have a promise, even if you do have a word from God, that you let go of it before you reap. And so we're not going to faint. Faint. We are going to, instead we're going to read, but we're going to talk about prayer in this regard. If you'll go in your Bible to Luke, Luke, the 23rd chapter, Jesus talked about prayer. It's one of the very, the very uh, wonderful things that Jesus talked about um, was how to engage with the Father. He did all the time. He talked in in John, the, just the book of John, about 113 times, he refers to God as his father. He talked to him, talked about him, was in constant communion with the father all the time. But what is a glorious thing is that he didn't, he didn't present prayer as something that I know how to do. And, um, if you want your prayers answered, you talk to me about it and, um, And just give me your prayer request. What Jesus came to do is give every single child of God. Well, first of all, to give us an opportunity to be a child of God. Make a way for us all to be sons of God. But give every single child of God equal access to the throne. There is no one who has more access than you. There is no one that has greater audience than you. Not everybody makes and, and takes advantage of the fact that we all have equal access and privilege to the throne. But everyone has equal access. There's no one that God favors more than somebody else where it comes to prayer. All of his children, God loves to hear him talk. And talk to him. So when Jesus talked about prayer, is it, it wasn't just this is what I do. Whenever he talked of prayer, it was always instructional to help us know how to engage with the Father like he does. So he helps us. This is something that he taught on the subject of prayer. and um, And in verse 5 verse 5 this is an interesting uh interesting portion of scripture that we're going to see as an example of perseverance in prayer it's actually backwards perseverance we're going to look at at the devil's perseverance have you ever found that the devil's uh, like didn't give up don't you wish he would faint yeah but in this in this particular portion of Scripture, we're going to look at Jesus before Pilate. And so here, and we're going to start in verse 4. So Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. He's the governor. He was the highest uh, judicial person in that area representing Rome. And so he gave... His verdict in Jesus' trial, he gave his verdict. He said, he's innocent. I acquit him. There's nothing wrong with this man. Typically, that should do it. It didn't. Look at verse 5. But they were the more fierce, more fierce, saying he stirs up the people. Then I'd like you to look at verse 10. He sends him to Herod. And uh, and it says in verse 10, the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him to Herod. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Now, notice then in verse 14 about Herod's verdict in verse 14, it says, and to them. You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people, and indeed having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod. For I sent him back to you, or I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. Okay? So now twice Pilate says, I find no fault in him. In addition, Herod also says, There's nothing wrong with this man. You'd think surely that would be it. But notice what it says in verse 16. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Look at verse 18. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas. Now notice then going on down to verse 18. Oh, that it that was verse 18. Look at verse 20. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. So can you say, see, see here, Pilate then, he's saying over and over, this time, this is the third time, very strong, there is nothing wrong. I want to release him. And instead of the crowd backing off, they're becoming more and more intense. Until before they were just wanting something done with him, now they're asking him to be crucified. All right? So let's just keep going. In In verse 23. Well, in verse 22, even he, he uh, suggests to let him go right there at the end. Verse 23. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And this is the part of the ver- the, this verse we want to really get to and look at. The voices of these men and the chief priests prevailed. Prevailed. I don't know if you've ever heard of a term of prevailing prayer. What does prevailing prayer mean? It means that you're the last voice. You have the last voice about it. Because there will be, during things that we pray about, different things that we engage with the Father about His will being done on the earth, that there will be contrary voices. And when you pray sometimes, uh, don't you wish the devil... Would just shut up the first time when you open your eyes, he's gone and it's all good. But sometimes he isn't. In fact, uh, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they made their statement about their trust in God, it made the king mad. And then he even he even heated the fire seven times hotter than it was supposed to have been ever before. It got worse. So sometimes what Christians do is they think, well, then let's just not let's just not pray. Because if we pray, it's going to get worse. Let's work a truce with the with the uh terrorists here. <laughs> let's work out a let's work out an agreement with him. We won't bother him and he won't bother us. The deal about it is, is if you don't bother him and if you don't claim your promise in the victory that God has ordained for us to have he won't leave you alone he'll keep coming he'll keep stealing he'll keep destroying he'll keep taking he will not leave you alone so the thing about it is uh, when you pray it may not be that the, the voice of the enemy is is just going to tune down It may be like this story about Jesus' trial. It got louder and louder and louder and louder. The prevailing voice is the one that doesn't faint. So we're talking this morning about prevailing prayer. Prayer that is persistent, is persevering, and is perpetual. I like all those P words, prayer that is persistent, prayer that is prevailing, prayer that is uh, persevering and prayer that is perpetual. All right. The scripture tells us and we won't take time to go there. But Paul said in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, he's saying, pray with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Pray all times with prayer and supplication in the spirit. Colossians, the fourth chapter, he was telling that whole church, he said, don't get weary in your prayer life. Keep going. Keep going. And so uh, we're going to look this morning on how if you look at another portion of scripture, go back to first Kings. First Kings. This is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. In verse 1, it said, It came to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So it had not rained because Elijah had declared that it would not rain. Uh, It hadn't rained for three years. And so um, the Lord told Elijah, Go tell Ahab that it's going to rain. All right, that is a promise. It's going to rain. That sounds like a promise, doesn't it? It's going to rain, which is really good news for this, for these people, because it hadn't rained for so long and there wasn't any water. But uh, it's an interesting thing that in between verse one and the end of the chapter, when this promise is fulfilled, A lot of other things happened. A lot of other things. One uh, one of the great stories of the Old Testament about fire coming down from heaven. This happened in this chapter. There was was no promise about fire coming down. (laughs) There was only a promise that there would be rain. But before the rain came... There was this amazing contest between the prophets of Baal and and God's people. Uh, uh, Elijah was there to confront the prophets of Baal. And they were on Mount Carmel. And you know the the story. And it it was a tremendous confrontation. Because the people of God had gotten confused about who God was and what God could do. And so Elijah challenges them. The God that answers by fire, let him be God, and let's not be confused anymore. If God is God, let him be let him be the one that we serve. If Baal is God, then let's serve him. But let's not be confused anymore. Well, you know the story. Baal didn't answer after they had cried and cried and even cut themselves, and, and he never answered. And finally then, Elijah called upon the name of the Lord after he had rebuilt the altar and then with 12 stones built an altar and put a bullock there on top of the altar and doused the the altar with, with water, filled up a trench of water around the altar. And he called on the Lord and fire came out of heaven. And wouldn't that have been something to see? It wasn't Hollywood or nothing. It came right out of heaven. Here came this ball of fire out of heaven. And it came down on the offering. And it burned up the offering. It burned up the rocks. Burned up all the water that was in the trench. And then everybody was left there standing. The Lord, he is God. Saying, the Lord, he is God. Well, all of that wonderful thing that happened... The only promise at the beginning of this chapter is that it rained and it hadn't rained yet. God had done all kind of other wonderful things. Amazing, amazing miracle. But it hadn't rained. And so then Elijah goes to pray. If you'll just look here at the end of the of the chapter. The end of this chapter. He says this in verse 41, 42, let's go to 42. And Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and there he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And when he went up and looked, there was thunderbolts. And there was a great dark cloud that was moving and covering all the land. Is that what it says? Look at these three words. There was nothing. There was nothing. The only promise that we see here in this chapter is that it would rain. And after prayer, there was nothing. I'm really glad this was in the Bible. Aren't you glad? Because sometime after you have prayed and there is nothing, you'd be tempted to think something is broke with the promise or something's broke with the prayer. Something's wrong with me. And then you faint. You give up. But Elijah, he said, he went up and he said after seven times, seven times he said, go again. Well, in between... The first time and the seventh time, there still was nothing. There kept on being nothing. This story wouldn't even be in the Bible if he hadn't uh, persisted, persevered, and poked through, and laid hold of what God had said was going to happen in verse 1. And so persevering prayer lays hold on something and just absolutely will not let go. It came to pass after the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go, go down because the rain or before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. Hallelujah. A heavy rain. There was a heavy rain. Praise the name of the Lord. God answered and he answered heavy. God has big answers. God has already ordained the answer to the thing he has promised. We have an enemy that will try to get us to stop before the end. But Jesus... Jesus is giving us some instruction here in Luke. If if you'll look here in Luke, the 18th chapter. Luke 18. He says this in the first verse. He spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray And not lose heart. Don't give up. One translation says. And if you'll go down here. And look. There was this. There was this man. There was this certain judge. Who did not fear God. Or regard man. And there was also a widow in that city. And she came to him saying. Get justice for me. From my adversary. Now, jump down here to verse 6. The Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. So let's pay attention to what the unjust judge said, because Jesus said to pay attention to that. So go back to verse 5. Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest her continual coming she weary me. Her continual coming. So what Jesus was wanting to get across in this instruction about prayer was that this unjust judge was going to answer this widow because she continually came. What Jesus was wanting to get across, he already stated here in the very first verse, is that men ought always to pray and not give up. His example is that this judge, the reason why he answered this woman is because she would not give up. And so let's look at verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he really find faith in the earth? Will he find faith in the earth? It's interesting what Jesus looks at as faith. How does faith look to Jesus? What does what are the characteristics of faith? Well, there, there are many different characteristics, but one characteristic that Jesus is going to look for when he comes again is, is this persistent kind of faith that will not give up. And he gave this as an example. This woman knew what her rights were. She wanted justice, and she would not give up, even when it didn't appear to be an answer. She would not give up. Another example, if you remember, and we won't take time to go there, but Luke, the 11th chapter, there was a Syrophoenician woman who had a, a daughter who was demon-possessed and suffered and uh, through herself. And, um, and this woman went to Jesus and said, uh, Please help my daughter. And the disciples were trying to shut her up. You remember? So not only did the disciples try to shut her up, But also Jesus, when Jesus spoke to her, he said, he said, I'm not sent to you. You're outside of the house of Israel. And my mission here on the earth is to the house of Israel. I'm not sent to you. And um, I'm not I'm not able to do what you're asking me to do. And she still persisted. She would not quit. And he referred to those, like the Jews in, in that culture, referred to anybody outside of of the Jewish nation as dogs. He referred to her that. Like, I tell you, there have been a lot of people just get mad. Say that that wasn't politically correct for him to call her a dog. And it did sound a little whack, didn't it? He was saying what was true in that, in that time, in that Old Testament time, the only people of God were the Jewish people. Other uh, people outside of the Jewish nation were considered dogs. She still wouldn't give up. She said even the dogs get to eat the bread crumbs that fall from the master's table. If, if the children's bread belongs to the children and doesn't belong to the dogs... I tell you what does belong to the dogs are the crumbs. Okay, I'm a dog. That means I get crumbs. I just love it. He only said that he was amazed with two people's faith while he ministered here on the earth, and she was one of them. And the reason why he was amazed at her faith is for the reason that he is giving this teaching in Luke, the Luke, the uh, 18th chapter, she wouldn't give up. He loves this kind of faith. Why is he just teasing people? Is he just dangling the promise and 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 just dangling out like a carrot in front of a horse? And if you if you holler long enough, then maybe he'll cave in and give. That's not that is so not his nature. That is so not his characteristic. The reason he loves this characteristic of persevering faith is that there are enemies in between you and the fulfillment of your promise. He wants to fulfill on the promise, but he needs you to believe him and not the enemy. If there were no if there were no adversaries, if there was no hiccups in between A and Z in a promise, you wouldn't need to, to trust, promise. Okay, it'd be like going to McDonald's. You just put your order in and go and pick it up. But when there's some time involved, when there are some contradictory things involved, you get a choice. Are you going to believe him, the one who gave the promise, or are you going to believe the way it looks? And as your pastor was saying this morning, be moved by what you see. Are we going to believe something more than God if we can see it? Are we going to believe something more than God if we can feel it? Are we going to believe something more than God if we can hear it or smell it or taste it? If something involves our senses? Or it doesn't matter what we sense or what anybody else said. If God said it, that's the way it's going to be. Jesus said God sees that characteristic as faith. And he said, when I come again, am I going to find that in the earth? Am I going to just find Promises in beautiful uh, framed pictures on the wall. Am I going to find promises that are highlighted in people's Bibles? Am I going to find promises maybe that somebody has written on a piece of paper and stuck on the refrigerator? Or am I going to find people that may have that, but they've also got it in their mouth. They've got it in their heart and they will not let go. Well, when he comes, and when he does come, I believe he's going to find faith in this church. This quality of faith. If we've got a promise, then I'm telling you what, if it's a, if it is, if it takes one time, two times, three times, it doesn't make any difference. We've got the word of God on it, and it's going to be this way. Now, God can work with a person like that. He loves it. He loves it. So now, let's look at another portion of scripture. If you'll look in your Bible at Hebrews, the tenth chapter, Hebrews ten, Hebrews ten twenty three. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. I like, I like our father of faith, Abraham. It says in, in Romans, the fourth chapter that he didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. But he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, giving glory to God. There's something that happens when you have a choice to start whinging about the way things are and seem to be. You know what whinging is? That's an Australian word. Complaining. Doesn't it sound like complaining? When you have an opportunity to complain about the way things are. Or if you're going to give glory to God because the promise remains the same. It does something to our hearts. And so if we're going to have prayer that is persevering, persistent, and is... is, um, What's the other P word? Perpetual is the last one. Prevailing. Prevailing, persevering, and um, it is finally... Perpetual type of prayer. This kind of prayer is impossible to have in yourself. It just is. There are stubborn people. Maybe you are married to one. There are stubborn people. Maybe, maybe the one you're married to is married To you, stubborn person, maybe you know of somebody that's stubborn. Well, uh, stubborn, stubborn can be not a good quality. We can be stuck on the wrong thing. Stubborn can be a, a, a symptom of pride. Stubborn can be a very ugly thing. That is different than this quality of faith. This quality of faith has the same characteristics in some uh, some ways of of stubborn. But it's different. The only way you can have this quality of faith is actually through humility. It's amazing. Being just stubborn and stiff-necked is not a characteristic of God. And uh, sometimes stubborn people do get their way because they wear everybody else down. And so there is that, there is that stubbornness that people can have. That is not faith, and that is not what God is looking for when He, when Jesus comes. He's not looking for stubbornness. He's looking for faith. But a characteristic of faith that submits to the word of God and refuses to submit to things that are not of God, but does submit to God, submit to the promise of God, submit to the will of God, When you submit to God, it enables you to resist the devil. There is a grace that comes on somebody when they humble themselves under the hand of God. And that is where prayer engaging with God comes in. It is not just by uh, you trying to be stronger and and be louder and 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 be more spiritual and and keep on praying harder and harder and harder. You're going to a- actually before uh, before you get to the end, you're going to absolutely wear out. Mm-hmm. And you know that you shouldn't wear out. So then you'll try to keep praying But you'll wear out. If there are things that don't move and don't change, you'll get discouraged. It says to to not cast away our confidence. Why would you cast away your confidence? Well, the reason you wouldn't, you'd cast away your confidence is because things don't change. Well, if you're not going to change, then you're going to have to get your strength from something else other than encouragement externally or just being stiff-necked and bull-headed. I believe there's a strength that comes from God. And Hebrews tells us, 1 Peter 5 tells us, when we humble ourselves under the hand of God, what does He do? He lifts us up. He exalts us. So when we humble ourselves to God, when we humble ourselves to the Word of God, not trying to be mighty ourselves, not just trying to be strong ourselves, but come to God, Come to God in prayer. Listen to this. If you're going to have perpetual prayer coming out, you have to have strength coming in. If you have strength of God coming in, if you have grace constantly lifting you up, then your your strength in persevering, your strength in being persistent Your strength in prevailing prayer is not your personality. It's beyond bullheaded. You've laid hold on the will of God and the will of God starts working through you. You become a channel. Your prayer life becomes a channel of something mightier than you. God wants what he has promised you. God wants it. So you don't work it out. You're not trying to make it happen. But he does need you to align with him. So that supernatural ability. Supernatural happenings. Can come through you. He doesn't expect you. To be the mighty thing. A lot of times prayer can. Can be exalted to be. You know prayer can do anything. Anything. Not if it's not connected to God. Anybody in here prayed some pretty floppy prayers? Prayer isn't the answer. Let me just say this. God is the answer. God is the answer. But what prayer does is connect you to God. And the kind of prayer that connects to God isn't the kind of prayer that's connected to yourself, your own personality, in plugging into the circumstance. Sometimes people pray because the circumstance is bad, and then they keep praying because the circumstance is bad. What Elijah was connected to that made him persevere is not a cloudless sky. Elijah was connected to a promise In the first verse, some people are motivated to pray because the problem is bad. It's bad. Oh, God. Oh, we pray. And then they open their eyes and it's bad still. Oh, God, we pray. They open their eyes. It's still bad. Pray with me. Let's get some more people to pray. Oh, God, we pray. They open their eyes. It's still bad. Okay, let's fast. Oh, God, we pray. And their eyes are looking at the thing. What is stimulating prayer is the problem. What is motivating their prayer is the persisting problem. That is not the kind of faith Jesus is looking for. You don't get faith from a problem. You get faith from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yes. Sometimes problems will make you cry and make you run to God. But I tell you what. If there's going to be faith in prayer as far as a connection to headquarters. It will become from the word of God. From the grace of God. So we humble ourselves to His Word. We humble ourselves. We stay connected. In between, in between whatever comes out in prayer, there is this kind of prayer where we just engage with God. We engage with His Word. Do you know reading His, reading your, your Bible, reading the promise can be prayer? It's prayer. It's what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Because what he says to you gives you something to say. Do you get that? What are you saying to me today? Because what he says to you today will give you something to say today. If you're wearing out praying today. (laughs) Look at him again today. Praise the name of the Lord. When Jesus comes, what will he find? He's going to find faith. And what does faith look like? It's prevailing. It prevails over whatever voice is coming against it. What does faith look sound like? It is persevering. It goes through. What does it look like? It persists. And what else is it? It's perpetual. It won't quit. It just won't quit. Because it's not funded or fueled by the problem. It's funded by God and fueled by God himself. Hallelujah. Can we just put up our hands to a faithful God? Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you. There are mighty things to happen on the earth. We we sang it. We sang it. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. And we, we know that hell does not want the will of God done, but we are connected to heaven. Hallelujah. And we're saying, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father God, I thank you for the the revealing of exactly what you want revealed uh, uh, to take place and and performed in our individual lives, in our families, in this church, in this community, in the state of California, in the United States of America, and in the earth today. Father God... Thank you, thank you, thank you for making us worthy to connect with heaven, to be channels and dispensers of the will of God through prayer. Let your will be done. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's just thank him for the promises of God. (laughs) Amen.